0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. I'll never forget, and some of you who are around my age won't either, but I remember as a kid having to go to the dentist do you remember having to go to the dentist? Now, listen, I grew up in a single father home. He did the best that he could, but I've got to be honest with you. I had a lot of sweets, and a lot of sweets transformed into a lot of cavities, okay? So here I am, a little kid. I have a lot of cavities. It's my fault, but I remember going to the to the dentist, and you see, it was back in the day, okay, where the dentist would actually bring you in, and they'd say, oh, it's not going to hurt, right and you had this poor little kid and then basically they ended up sticking a needle the size of a pencil down your mouth to numb it and quite honestly it hurt and i'll never forget i this is so ingrained in my brain that when i begin to think of of how i could illustrate this I remember one time that I had, I had a cavity that needed to be filled. I remember probably complaining, oh, I have a toothache that I would do that. Okay, well, let me see. Oh, yeah, we better get you to the dentist. Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. And I remember he made an appointment. He made an appointment, okay? And, uh, oh, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. I knew it was going to hurt. I knew it was going to hurt worse. You understand, right? I mean, the needle was probably this big, it felt like. And then, and then you're waiting in the room, and it's like, and you're like, what are they doing? You know, are they laying asphalt in there? So here's a kid just totally tripping out. I mean, and and I remember. So my dad made the appointment, and there I go off to the dentist, and I sat in an office, and I still, you guys know when when something traumatizes you so much, you remember it. I remember, it was blue, and I was scared and I was just so stressed, and, and there was just so much anxiety there, and uh, for the first few minutes of the appointment, I wouldn't open my mouth, and it frustrated the dentist so bad that he said, hey, listen, either you do this, or you need to go, We're, you know, and and I remember, um, wow, wow, so I conceded, obviously, because I didn't want my father to be mad at me at the time, and And I'll never forget that. I remember little sweats of palpitation. I remember, and and just because that was the anxiety that was put forth in the dentist. Now, you may be wondering how a little simple trip to the dentist can render such fear and panic in a young kid. Right? Well, more likely in a previous time, a dentist told me that what he was going to do wouldn't hurt, which actually ended up hurting a lot. You guys know what I'm talking about? Where you walked out and, and you were done, but your face was like this and it hurt. And it hurt for, for a, you know. And all you could do is go home and, and, and lay on the couch. I mean, that's how, and you're going, well, Ben, you should have taken care of your teeth. Well, I should have. But I didn't. Now, I understand. Today it's a lot different, is it not? Because, you know, they actually have bubble gum that they give the kids to chew that numbs their mouth where was this when I was growing up no they had the needle okay do they (laughs) you're like come here but what I found is today's dentists and to doctors have actually changed courses they're actually telling you the truth and so when you go in and you say hey is this going to hurt they actually say yes They'll tell you yes in a truthful way and then say, but it's going to help you at the end. You'll feel better. This is going to hurt up front, but it's good for you. And I like that approach a lot better. I like that uh, approach because, again, you go, oh, oh, okay, okay. He's being honest. He's not trying to trick. Oh, and you go, well, Ben, why are you even saying this? What does is, what is a dentist or a doctor have to do with Matthew chapter 10? Well, let me tell you this, right? I believe that I that, that I share this with you because it illustrates the cost of discipleship. You go, well, how so? How so? Jesus, in these final verses, he doesn't pull any punches. He says, if you're going to be my disciples, I'm going to tell you the truth. Yes, it's going to hurt. But you're going to be better in the end. You're going to be better in the end. See, that's the problem, guys. That's really a lot of the problem when we share the gospel and we don't give the full gospel. You go, what do you mean? Well, I love the great parts of the gospel. Hey, God's going to forgive you of your sin. You're going to have peace. You're going to have joy. It's going to be amazing. You know, I mean, all of you are going to get all these benefits. And then they run into spiritual attacks and you forget to remind him that there is going to be suffering in the gospel too. There is going to be those that, that, you know, that oppose you. He's, God. Jesus is going to tell us today that even our family, there's going to be opposition in our family at times. Huh. Huh. Jesus is telling us today, if you're going to be my disciple, it's going to hurt at times. It's going to hurt at times. Now, before we jump on, let me remind you what we talked about last week. Jesus tells us in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 10, he said, Behold, I send you out as sheep, among, uh, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless of doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and scourge you for their synagogue. Here's what he said. Here's what he said, guys. He said, listen, here's what's going down. Behold, listen, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out to a world full of wolves. Okay? You and I go, Lord, I want to be your disciple. I want to be your disciple. And he says, Wonderful. Um, There's wolves out there. And we go, Oh, well, you didn't say anything about wolves. I, I want to be the kind of disciple that sits back in the beach with my toes in the sand. I want to be that kind of disciple that um, has, you know, that, that I just pray and you give me everything that I want. I think that's a cool design. God said, that's not discipleship. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. He says, because of that, therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils. This is for us. He says, this is going down. This is going down. Later on in verse 21, he says, now brother will deliver a brother to death and a father to his child. And children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And he says this, and you will be hated for and you will be hated by all for my name's sake but he endures to the end will be saved will be saved so he says listen this is this is the this is the truth of the matter this is the truth of the matter it's going to hurt it's going to hurt guys discipleship is not for the faint hearted it's not for those that are weak you understand it's it's christianity is it's a journey that we have to take each and every day, realizing that we are sheep among wolves. Now, I thank the good Lord that in my city, Lubbock, Texas, I thank the good Lord that we live in in a great town, don't you? But there are some wolves out there. There are some wolves. And what's happening now as you can see, we talked about this last week: is that, is that the enemy is trying to divide us. He's trying to divide us in every way, shape, and form. So, chapter 10, if you're taking note, remember, I've entitled the message, The Cost of Discipleship. Um, but today, I want you to write, Do Not Fear. Do not fear. What was the number one thing the enemy has tried to do these last couple of years? Provide fear. Instill fear, didn't he? Instill fear in in every way, shape, or form. And I believe he succeeded at some level. And here the Lord is going to tell us okay, guys, cost of discipleship, don't fear. Don't fear. We're going into, we live in a hostile world. What does God say? Don't fear. Don't fear. Are we sheep among wolves? Don't fear. Don't fear. Are we headed, are we headed into a time where they might kill us? Do not fear. Do not fear. Uh, Pastor Ben, I've got a question. How do we not fear? How do we not fear? Remember, context, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I will give you power. You guys with me? Okay? I want you to see this because the Lord has been ministering to me in, with this word. All, I can't shake it. You understand? You understand? So, so, so let's look. Go back. Go back real quick, okay? He says this, verse 1. And when he had called the 12 disciples to him, he gave them power. Everybody say power. Okay? That's an interesting word. It's an interesting word. Over in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, and he gave them power. That's the Greek word dunamis, dunamis, where we get our English word dynamite, right? And what does dynamite do? It comes upon you, boom, that's dynamite. That's, that's, this is not the word. Okay, so he's calling the disciples and he's not saying, okay, I'm going to give you dynamite. That's not what he's saying. This is the word exousia. Exousia. And it means ability. It means strength. It means liberty. It means all of these things. And I'm wrestling with God over this. I'm going, Lord, it's not dunamis. It's exousia. So what does that mean? I feel like when we're about to witness and share God's word, we need the dunamus power. He's coming upon us, okay? And I will give you power, right? And it, that so that as the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll have power to be my witnesses, okay? So I believe that. But I think exousia, what's it for, Lord? He says, well, I'm going to give you power over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases you know how you don't fear in these last days you need to have exousia power of the holy spirit in you it's it's a lifestyle it's it's exousia it's ability you can you can do i don't have to fear and, and I thought, well, if I'm going to stand before magistrates and I'm going to stand before, I sure would like that dunamus power. But he says, no, Exusia is the one where you're going to walk up with confidence and go, listen, no matter what's going to happen, I'm going to tell you what, it's, what it is. You understand that. You understand that. Because when your boss calls you into your office and says, hey, if you don't do this, this, and this, you're going to be fired, and you stand before all of your magistrates you would love to have the dunamis power, but what you need is exousia to say, listen, here's what my convictions are, and here's how the gospel goes forth. So, so again, that's how we, we don't fear. We don't fear. How do we not fear death? There's a virus out there that's trying to kill us. How do we not fear death? We have exousia power. We just know. We know that, that, and I'll show you today, I'll show you where he says, he says, he says God even knows when the sparrow falls. You're more valuable than that. He's not, he's not gonna. You're not going to go one day before you're supposed to. You're not going to go one day before you're supposed to. So don't fear. If you were to grasp this, church, you'd be set free. You'd be set free. You'd, you'd be like, okay. Now listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying be reckless. You understand that? Sometimes we think that, that freedom means reckless. Well, I'm not going to die one minute before I'm supposed to, so I'm going to go lick all the doorknobs in Lubbock to see. That's not what I'm saying. Well, we think we're going to have a COVID party, and so everybody get. I'm not saying be reckless. What I'm saying is it sets you free. you would be like, okay, I'm going to trust God. I'm gonna trust God. Well, you're fired. Okay, well, I trust you. I trust you. Can I be honest with you guys? Can we be honest in church? There should be no judgment in here. I struggle with that. You know, it's easy to preach, harder to live. Just me? No, no, really. I mean, it's harder, it's harder to live. When, When sickness hits home, it's harder to live. Right? And the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart. Hey, you told the people, trust me. Do you trust me? Oh, yeah. No, we do trust God. We do trust God. But I need his power. Guys, in and of myself without Exusia power, I can't do it. I can't do it. Disciples, guys, despite the hardships that we face, despite that, Jesus is going to command us not to fear. So if you're taking note, let's jot this down, okay? The last verses are broken down into four sections, okay? We're going to see that the disciple here in verse 24 and 25 is not above his master. You can write that down. And then um, the second section is "Fear God, not man." Very, very important. Fear God, not man. That's going to be verses twenty-six to thirty-three. And then Jesus is going to drop a bomb on us on thirty-four and through thirty-nine, where he says, "I, I came to bring a sword, not peace." Or you can put "not peace, but a sword," because we're headed into the Christmas season, where he says, "Well, I thought I thought we were all going to be just." You know, peaceful. I thought Jesus came to bring peace. Well, we're going to see what he says. And then we'll close out our Bible study this morning with the last two verses on rewards. On rewards. You guys with me? You guys awake? Okay, let's go. Let's jump into Matthew 10, 24 and 25. He says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? That's an interesting statement. What I love here, and you can jot this down if you're taking note, Jesus tells us the truth. He tells us the truth. What I'm I'm really grasping, guys, biblically, is that the Bible is transparent. It tells us the truth. Like, you know, if I was one of the disciples and I had to write about me, I think I'd leave some stuff out. Well, I won't write that. Well, I don't want them to think me bad of me there. Uh, well, they'll get to know me when they get to heaven. No, they, he says it. But here's what I love, guys. Becoming a disciple, he says, it's not for the faint-hearted. Why? Because first of all, he says, listen, a disciple is not above his teacher. He says, It's enough. It's enough. To be like that teacher. And of course, Jesus is speaking, so I I wish the goal would be to for us to be more like Jesus. We'll never get there, but the disciples understood this because back in this day, if you had a rabbi and you were a disciple, your goal was to be as righteous or as holy as your rabbi, to, to try to live up to that standard. And he goes, It's enough. It's it's enough so you can do this. He says, but you need to understand that a disciple is not above the teacher. And then he gets into this. Notice what he says. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? You go, wait a minute. What does this mean? Well, if you're taking note, Beelzebub is actually the Lord of the flies. The Lord of the flies, okay? So, in the summertime, when you have all these slides in your house and you 're sick of it, you can remember this is where it 's from right well actually it 's a Philistine god, and the philistines were were opposed to israel and and but the Jewish people actually looked at at Beelzebub as a um epithet of satan it 's like a demonic this is satan so so, what he says here he says, if they called me if i 'm part of Beelzebub, what do you think they're going to say about you? And the disciples went, oh, oh, I get it. Now, what you and I need to remember is what John penned in chapter 15, verse 20. He says, remember the word that I said to you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word... They will keep yours also. So here's the point. Matthew goes, okay, here's what I heard. John goes, here's what I heard. If they're going to persecute Jesus, they're going to persecute you. Welcome to church. This is what he's saying. Well, l- listen. The problem is, guys, is, is Listen. I wish... But it wouldn't do you any good if we came up here and simply had some motivational teachings. Raw, raw, go get them, guys, because you're still going to face everyday life of persecution and wonder why. It's so much better to tell you the truth and say, hey, be careful. If they persecuted Jesus, they're going to persecute you. If you are a disciple, guess what? The world's not going to like you. Don't expect the world To like you. Don't expect them to invite you to their parties, their games, all of this stuff. The world's not going to do that, guys. You are a light going into the darkness. You know what light does? It exposes the darkness or what's in the darkness. And when you're doing something wrong, turn off the light. I like what Warren Wearsby writes about this. He says, Note that he returns the word disciple and that that he does not limit it to the Jew only. This passion contains encouragement and instruction for his followers today. We are learners, disciples, and laborers, servants. He warns against the fear of man. This is what he's saying. He's saying, Don't be afraid of men. Don't be afraid of men. Okay? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of men. Well, what should we do? Well, point number two, let's fear God and not man. Look at verse 26. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will be revealed and nothing hidden that will not be known. Remember, whenever we see a therefore, we need to go back to the previous verse, okay? Therefore should also give us some application. Now, he says this. Look at the verse, okay? He says, if they've called the master of the house, demonic, Satan, Beelzebub, how much more will they, everybody say they, because so you know, that's who he's talking about, are they going to persecute you? How much are they going to try to make you fear? And he says, therefore, don't fear them. Don't fear them. He says, listen to me, listen, there's nothing covered that's not going to be revealed And hidden, then that will not be known. Don't fear them. Remember, church, remember, this is so important. You've got to grasp this. Fear comes when we don't have the Holy Spirit walking or living in us. That exousia, we need that power. We need that power because, I, I, mean, I mean, this is exactly what happens. The world, our government, people, bosses, I don't care what it is, uh, grocery, they're, a lot of them want to create fear. and We're not going to be afraid. We're not going to be afraid. We're not going to be afraid. Why? What should we do? Verse 27, he says, Whatever I tell you in the dark... He says, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach in the housetops. And here's why. You ready? And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in, what's that word, guys? Wait, once again? Hell. Wait, 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 I don't want to talk about hell. Okay, let's back up. In the custom here, in the Jewish day, okay, if you went into a synagogue, what would happen is you would have, you would have someone who could read, and they would whisper into what they would have a, a, a kind of a proclamator, okay, someone who proclaims. So he would whisper, thus saith the Lord, okay? This is what Jesus is telling. Every he goes, listen, what I whisper in your ear, I want you to proclaim, what I want you to proclaim. He says, I want you to tell him. And he says, oh, and by the way, preach on the housetops. Now, in our culture, that might look silly. That might get the cops called on us, right? Get up on your roof. Thus saith the Lord. Get a bullhorn. Try it. Let's see what happens. But back in their day, everybody knew this because that's how they got up. They blew the horn for the for the Sabbath. Uh, the, you know, the trumpet, they blew the Sabbath. This is when the Sabbath starts. This is what they blew. They From the housetop, people knew. But see, that's how they were supposed to proclaim the message. Now, he just told us. He just told us not to fear them. Go and preach. Go and preach. The disciples, remember, they don't have the whole Bible. They don't have the whole New Testament. They're living it. They're going, okay, what do we do? What do we do? They're just trying to process this just like you are. But I'm telling you, in the weeks and months to come, you're probably going to be faced in front of somebody that you're going to need to share the gospel with or defend the gospel or defend your religious liberty. And here's what he says. He says, do not, help me church, do not fear those who can kill the body who cannot kill the soul. Really, grasp that. What is the worst thing they can do? What's the worst thing people... They can kill me. They can kill the body. That's why, that's why Paul was so amazingly fearless. Because he said, for me to live is Christ. If they kill me, I'm home. Woo! He's, he's, right? And, and if I was the enemy of your soul... I would try to make death seem so permanent that you wouldn't, no, fear, hold on to it. And then we don't live, do we? Don't fear, don't fear those who can kill the body. How would we live if we really grasp that? He says, better yet, why don't you fear God? Because he is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You realize that my Jesus talked more about hell than anybody else. You got that, right? He did. And I don't understand why pastors and preachers and priests and all those, we don't preach on it anymore. But I'm telling you, let, let me just say this, okay? Hell was created for Satan and his demons, not for people. Okay? that's what he created it for. They rebelled. God says, okay, we can't have this. This is for you. The problem is, is men choose to go there. They, they, they say, no, I don't, I don't want your Jesus. I don't want to be saved. I don't want this. And then they choose to be lumped in with Satan over here. When God says, no, 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 no. I've given you my son. I've made every way for you to get saved. Open your heart. Follow me. Repent of your sins. Come. Come. And you go, Nah, nah. Jesus is a crutch. You, you just use him. No, he's not a crutch. He's the only way to get to heaven. God loves us so much. He didn't create He didn't create hell for us. He didn't look and go, Well, you know what? All those spoiled rotten brats that don't want to give their life to me, I'm going to make hell for them. That's not God. He said, I'm going to do this for them. Ah, 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 But you, I'm going to make a way. Here's my son on the cross. Well, how hard is it, Lord? Just open up your heart. Just say yes to him. Yeah, it's a little hard. Because then I got to give up me. I got to give up my lifestyle. I got to give up my, I got to give up all that stuff. And you know, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm telling you guys. We need to fear the one who is able to destroy both soul and body. Can I just say this and we'll move on? You are going to live forever. You're going to live forever, somewhere. That's the whole thing. People don't realize that you're going to have eternal life. Now, where you choose to live, it's up to you. It's up to you. You can choose to live with God full of love, peace, joy. I mean, just amazing. Or you can choose to live somewhere else. But Jesus talked about it. Jesus talked about it. Guys, think about that. All that men can do is kill the body. That's all they can do. If they do that, guess what? Your soul goes to heaven. What a, I guess, I guess if I was going to die, what a privilege it is to die for the Lord. I mean, really, you know, I mean, if you kind of come to the realization like, hey, this is going to happen anyway, guys, we should be going out on fire for God. We should be going out on fire for the Lord. Did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Yeah, he died, but he died. him. Mean, he was, I mean, he had like four breaths left and he was preaching to the paramedics. I mean, are you serious? Oh, I want that fire. Do you want that fire? You want that fire? Guys, we, we're running. are The finish line is right there. Okay, I want that fire, Lord. I want that fire. I want that fire. When Martin Luther, guys, caught this truth, when he caught this whole truth, man, that that God will never condemn his own children, here's what he wrote. Check this out. He said, let goods and kindred go, the mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. Isn't that great? Let goods and kindred go. The person who fears God alone never needs to fear any man or any group of men. Did you catch that? The person who fears God alone never need never fear any man or any group of men. Fear God alone. That's a great quote. Here's another great quote. You ready? To jot this down. The fear of God is the fear that cancels fear. End quote. You ready? The fear of God is the fear that cancels fear. The fear of God is the fear that cancels fear. You may know, all need to write that down and tweet that out, man. Tweet that down. We'll, we'll get it to you afterwards. Yeah, we, I should have put it up on the board. The fear of God is the fear that cancels fear. Can I get an amen? Verse 29. Look what the Lord says. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. What? Do not fear, therefore, you are more valuable than the sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men I will also deny him, bef- also deny before my Father who is in heaven. If, you're ta- if you have a pencil handy, you know that God cares for you. This is so cool because here's what he just said. He said, "You know the sparrow; they're not very worth. They're not worth very much. It's like a, a copper coin." He says, "You know what?" He says, not one of them falls to the ground without God knowing. And he says, you're more valuable than them. As much as he loves uh, animals and he loves the earth, he didn't create animals or the earth in his image. He created you in his image. And he loves you. The enemy wants to come to your life and tell you God doesn't love you. If God loved you, he would have done this. If God loved you, he would have done this. If God, No, no, no. The Bible just said right now, he loves you. As a matter of fact, you know how much he loves you? He loves you so intimately that he knows every hair on your head. He's got it numbered. Now, some of you in this room have made it really easy for God. I'm not saying who. And some of us have made it really hard for God. But think about it. He knows. He knows. Oh, that's, that's Miss Sally. Uh, eighth, that's uh, hair number 70,421 on the ground. Okay, I got it. And Sally sweeps it up, puts it in the trash like we should, and, and goes on. Some of you in the shower, let's be honest, your clock is always changing like this. You know what I'm talking about? Went, that was funnier in my head when I said it. Um, but the term he says here is that that's intimate, guys. That he knows you that much. Now, now, listen. If he didn't care about you, why would he number your hair? That's how big God. He knows. He knows. He knows all my number of my hair. He knows. And I'm going, wow. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. He says, don't fear. Why should I not fear? He says, because you're more valuable than the sparrows. And he says this, therefore, because you're more valuable, because you have an intimate relationship. As a disciple, he's moving you into a deeper intimate relationship with him. You guys with me? Because of that, he says, you need to confess me before men. He says, when you do that, I'll confess you before my Father. Isn't that the coolest thing? Isn't that the coolest thing? That one's mine. That one's mine. Wow. The problem is, guys, is when we get, when we get afraid, when we have fear, that's when we don't confess them before the Lord, before men, do we? I will never forget this. I wonder if my brother, my brother, uh, okay. So I have two older brothers. Okay, they're twins, and um, and my brother in Denver. I hope he listens. He listens to the podcast, but but uh, he listens. He calls me up, and and, and this is cool. Um, when the Jesus movement was going on, I was a young kid, and I remember, I remember, I sat down with my older brother, and of course, older brothers intimidate you, right? They're just older brothers. they like you look up to them, and all this stuff. And I remember sitting on the couch, and my older brother—not the one in Denver, but the one in New Mexico—looked at me, and he goes, "So what? Are you n- saved?" Right? I mean, because it was—that was the whole point. People were getting saved, and from the from the Catholic background, we didn't understand the concept. But I got saved, and me. And he sat down. And he looked at me. And he goes, "So, are you now saved?" And I went, "No." I was so intimidated by my older brother that I was like, no, I don't know. I'll never forget that. Now, I've long repented from that and I've witnessed to my brothers till, till no end, but you understand, you know those positions in your life where you were put in that and you either, yeah, or you went. And we do that. Why do we do that? Because we don't, it might even, guys, be careful, because Thanksgiving's coming up, families get together, they know where you stand, and now they want to start a debate. They want to talk a little bit, and so you know, listen, we could go down this road, but I know it's not going to end pretty. And some, sometimes the fear of family members, you just say, okay. But the Lord says right here, he says, don't deny that, don't, don't deny The first year, the first year we went to Israel, I I, I was I was given the privilege to teach where Peter denied Jesus. We were right there. They have a statue. I mean, this is this was the courtyard, and it and it hit me. I haven't denied Jesus like Peter. I didn't go, "Hey, I don't believe in God." Oh, Oh, you know, and and and. But what I realized is that sometimes I deny the Lord when I miss. Or don't take an opportunity to share with somebody. God opens the door. God opens the door. And I go. And the Lord hey. Hey. I hope you haven't done that, but I'm pretty sure every one of us in this room are given an opportunity where we went, yeah, Ben, I, ben, I can relate. But thank God he forgives us. And you know what he does? He goes, I'm going to give another opportunity for you to share. And then you, full of the Holy Spirit, and you come back, you go, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And they're like, wow. Here's my philosophy. Maybe you can do it, okay? Um, if God brings them to the church, they're going to hear the gospel. There'll be times I'll be in my office. I'll get a knock at the front door. I'll come in, and somebody goes, hey, I'm selling this. Sofa. <laughs> Welcome to Calvary. Click. Come on in and I'll share the gospel. God brought him. That's my philosophy. Listen, if God's going to bring, he wants me to share with him. But there are also times where we need to be sensitive in, in allowing that. I love the fact that he says, fear not. Just confess. Lord, you know what he's done? Here's the problem. We have to think, we have to be so theologically perfect. Well, listen, uh, no. Just share what God has done in your life. That's all. You know how easy it is? I once was lost. Now I'm found. How were you found? Man, the Lord Jesus came in. I don't know. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. He saved me. He saved me. See, the text seems to indicate that the disciples were put in positions that either require a confession before men or a denial. Because he says, listen, he says, "Um, whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him. I don't want the Lord to do that. Can you imagine getting to heaven? Lord, it's me. Uh, Yeah? It's Ben. Calvary Chapel Lubbock? Mm. No, 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 no. Oh, I I, I don't want that. Here's the problem. The cost of discipleship, church, while some receive the message eagerly, you guys know that? Yes! With great joy. That's why you're here? Others will reject it with hostility. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had that? (laughs) <laughs> I, was a, I was a sacker and uh, I was about eight, eight, 17 years old I was a sacker first in New Mexico and uh, we had another sack, a bunch of us sackers and found out that this kid was a Satanist another Satanist right and uh, and I'll never forget I had, had on my Christian music and uh, he was pulling in some carts, and I drove up to him and I said listen to this and I turned it boy he got mad Boy, he got mad because it was talking about Jesus and everything, and he was just like, oh, run? I thought we were going to go to blows, but some they're not going to receive it. Some of them are going to be real hostile. Some of them are going to be real hostile. Well, what did Jesus say? Now he's going to drop a line. Are you ready? Look at verse 34. He says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was a disciple, my jaw would drop right about here. Wait a minute, what happened to the hallmark and the, and, and, and the angel singing and peace on earth? And Wait a minute, Jesus just dropped this. Because, and he goes on to say to you and I, he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves a son or a daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Wow. Did you guys see that? He says, Don't come that I think you bring a sword. He said, When you give your life to the Lord, here's what can happen. Okay? It's going to set, this sword is going to set in the middle between two beliefs. Here's the sword. You say, I love Jesus, and your family member is going to go, No, I no, I don't. And now. That's what happens. That's what happens. Guys, when I got saved, when I gave my life to Jesus at 17, I was terrified to tell my dad that I was a Christian. It was a sword because I knew the religion that I was brought up on. I could be disowned from the family. Okay? The very least, I could have, he, my dad could have beat me down and said, no, you're not, you know, we're not doing this. It was, it was scary. So guess what I did? I didn't tell him. I just, every Sunday morning, yeah, I'm going to my friend's, and then I'd go off. Wednesday night, yeah, I'm going to my friend Abe's, because his dad was the pastor. And thinking my dad, you know how we think that our parents aren't, are clueless? They're not clueless. Then I'm a parent, I'm like, you think we're clueless? The, here's the point, guys. The point is, think about this in your life. He said, I've come, I've come, not to bring peace because the gospel is going to change. There's going to be hostile people. And he says, now look at me. He says, here's what. Unless, unless you put me above all of these, he says, you're not worthy to be my disciple. As a matter of fact, think about this way. Look at the way... Look at, look, look at the way Luke says it. Luke um, 14.26, jot this down. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Have you ever heard that one? Have you ever heard that one? Jesus said, you, unless you hate. Well, I thought Christianity we not supposed to hate. The word hate isn't hate like we think. Well, I hate them. It means love less. And so what Jesus says is, yes, you need to love your parents. You need to love your kids. That's As a matter of fact, when you got saved, you loved them even more. When you got saved, you loved people even more. So what's he saying? He's saying, don't put them above me. He says, if here it is, listen. Don't love me less than your father and your mother. Your wife, he says, if you do this, even your own life, even your own life. Guys, think about what he said. Wow. That's the cost of discipleship. So he's asking you, he's asking you today follow me, follow me. Will you be my disciple? Well, how will I know? Because people will know you're my disciple by the love you have, by the love. People will know. You know how else they'll know you're his disciple? Probably by how many people don't like you. Amen. Right? Oh, not you again. Not you again. Listen. Listen. We all want to be liked. We, we really do. The problem is, is that as believers, we're not all going to be liked. Because we, we take a stand for something righteous and something powerful and beautiful and strong. Are you guys relating with me? Do you have fam- do you do you know I'm not- yeah family members that, are, that that think you're crazy, and they just you know what they don't invite you to reindeer games anymore. I mean you know what I mean. You're like the root off of the family. They're like mm. That's what Jesus told us. Jesus talks about three things very quickly. He said, we um, have the love for our parents. That's that's solid. We have love for our kids, love for our siblings, but we have love for our own lives. And what we need to understand is is that the word hate doesn't mean hate. It means to just love less. We are called to love and, and honor our moms and dads and our children and our siblings, even our own lives. Never, never do that above the love we have for him. Okay, let me share something real quick, and then we'll close. Okay, Let me share something real quick. When it comes to mom and dads, when it comes to kids, when it comes to brothers, sisters, when it comes to grandkids, when it comes to our own lives, those are all good things. Those are all good things. When we take them and make them ultimate is when they become idols. You you guys with me? They're great, Say, and we can take good things. We can take great things. And we can make them ultimate. And now the Lord comes down here, and now it's an idol. And the Lord says, you can't be my disciple. I've given you parents, and I've given you brothers, And I've given you kids, and I've given you uh, grandkids, and I've given you, even your own lives, I've given you so you go, wow, and you return glory to God. You and I are to worship the creator, not his creation. Okay, let's close. Let's close with the last two verses. This is the rewards. Rewards. Jesus will reward those who receive his disciples faithfully. Look at verse 40. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. That would be the Father. He who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive the prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive the righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in my name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall no means lose his reward. When it comes to that, Jesus says, listen, this is tenement welcoming Jesus. When we welcome and they welcome us, they're welcoming Jesus himself. Since, while the disciples are bearing the name of Jesus and his authority, and so are we. And we receive the one who sent me is receiving Jesus amounts to receiving the Father. So he says, here's the reward. Just, just do. Just go. Just go. Great rewards. Great rewards. Now, so what did Jesus say? Jesus said, Lord, is this going to hurt? A little bit. But at the end, it's going to be well worth it that's going to be well worth it. Let me just say this. Let me just say this, okay? And I don't mean to be dramatic. But if the Lord Jesus tarries 100 years, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. I mean, we, we I'm pretty sure, statistically, we won't be here 100 years from now. You go, what was your point? I have no idea. I completely forgot my point. How about that? That's what happens. Brain goes. No. Uh, (laughs) So live your life. Live your life. Live your life as a disciple. This this, this is what he's saying. You're you're, going to get that reward of heaven anyway. Is it going to hurt? Sometimes. Are people going to call you mean names? Sometimes. Are people going to hate you? Sometimes. But I think about this. I think about it's easy for me to stand up here and be able to share this because we love each other. We're family. But what if I was standing on a pulpit in a, in a crowd this size that we're all Jesus-haters? But I still have the boldness and the love. Here's our goal, church. You ready? Here's our goal. Our goal. What was that like? That, that mission impossible. Here's your mission if you're willing to accept it. Here's your mission. You ready? Our mission is to depopulate hell and populate heaven if you're willing to accept it. Pastor Ben, I could die. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. What a glorious way to go. Our mission at Calvary Chapel Lubbock is to depopulate hell and populate heaven. How do we do that? By being his disciple. Don't you just love Matthew? Nobody? Okay. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us and Lord, that's our goal. I I understand, God, that the cost of discipleship is heavy. The cost of discipleship is heavy. It's heavy, Lord. But what we need is your, your power, God, your power to walk and live and be bold. And we both need exousia and, and dunamis, just, just, just come, Holy Spirit. How could we do life without you? Lord, we love you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you realize that you're not right with God. And we talked a little bit about hell, that hell was created for Satan and his demons, not for you. But throughout the teaching, the Lord was knocking on your heart. And in, in you're saying right now, Ben, I don't know if I have a right relationship. I don't, I, don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I have some good news for you. You may feel like you're a million miles away from God, but you're one decision away from from accepting the Lord. You're one decision. All you got to do is open up your heart. You go, Ben, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I'm coming to church, but I don't know where to start. Well, today, how about this? How about I give you an opportunity to surrender your life today? You go, how so? I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand so I can pray for you. Well, Ben, why do I have to lift up my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. And then I'll lead you in a prayer. And it's between you and God, and he's inviting you. He's standing before you. He says, listen, I love you so much. I know every hair on your head, and I want to spend eternity. I want you with me and me with you, but you've got to make that first step. You've got to open your heart because love is a choice. I'm not going to force myself on you. So I'm here to tell you today, whether you're watching online or you're here today, if you want your sins forgiven, and you want the Lord that created you, the God that created you to come and live in your heart, take away your guilt, your shame, your sins. Man, you can't pass this up. So why don't you do yourself a favor and say, yeah, I surrender today. Would you do that if you're here today? And maybe, and maybe there's not, but I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you're here today, all you have to do is just slip up your hand right now. Just say, Pastor, would you pray for me? God bless you, sister. I see you to my left. Anyone else? Anyone else? And if you're watching online and I can't see you, just lift up your hand. But if you lifted up your hand, would you just pray something like this? Mean it from all of your heart. Say, Lord, I don't even know where to begin, but today I give you my life. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe. And he rose again on the third day. And I believe he's alive. And I believe, Lord, that I need him. And I'm going to confess him, like Roman says, and I'm going to believe in all of my heart. And I'm asking you, Jesus, right now, come into my life. Be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, welcome to the family of God. Hey, seriously, you prayed that prayer. We have a Bible. We have a Bible study guide. want to help you out on your your walk. We just welcome to the family of God. Best decision you've ever made. May the Lord bless you guys, keep you. Mel um, is going to give us one more song. Amen. God bless you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.